Hello and welcome to the Blockade Runner podcast number 201. My name is John and with me today is Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hi, good good morning. <laughs> I'm here. How, how's, your, how's your weekend been, Ryan? <laughs> it's been, uh, I had a wonderful time at the ER yesterday. Mm, yeah, we were scheduled to record last night um, uh-huh. and Ryan was like, well, yeah, let's do this. Let's record but just know I may have to rush out to the ER at a moment's notice. And I was like, okay, that is, uh, that's, a, that's a lot of dedication on your part. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> it's very impressive. But um, you did have to rush out to the ER. So yeah. we, we didn't get to record. So we're nope. recording now, which is uh-huh. fine. And also you're fine, Ryan. Our I, listeners I are am. concerned. We're <laughs> opening up with all this discussion of you going to the ER. Yes. I'm realizing we're freaking everybody out. Are you okay? I am okay. I, uh had a ruptured blood vessel in my nose and uh there was a lot of blood (laughs) for most of the day and uh the the day ended in the er with uh the inside of my nose being cauterized which Mm. um it's like just like a tiny little lightsaber right (laughs) it's it's pretty much it's pretty much like that yeah um yeah i you know i would not recommend uh, the procedure, but it does beat uh, completely bleeding out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. When given, when given the two options, I guess like go with the cauterizing. Yeah, I would agree. So, I would yeah. agree. Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, I've never had the cauterizing done or the bleeding <laughs> out. So I mean, but yeah, it seems like that would be better. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. Well. Uh. Like I said, this is episode two hundred and one, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just going to talk a couple of things that have been happening, um, in the news as far as Star Wars goes. I mean, really, it's all Book of Boba Fett right now. Mm-hmm. Um which is cool. And uh, there was the Empire Magazine um, that came out this week, um, which features a cover story on the Book of Boba Fett and also features a little write-up um, about an interview uh, with Kathleen Kennedy uh, about, you know, basically Star Wars on Disney+. Plus. So um, those two articles were pretty compelling, and there's been some news coming out of those. So we're going to talk about um, that stuff. And then uh, also a little bit on the comics front as well. So that's uh that's the plan for now. Uh Ryan, did you get a chance to uh to read the the Empire magazine um story or no? No. Is is the whole story up? Well, I don't know if it's on internet, I'm not sure if it's on I don't know if it's on the internet or not. Um it is in the magazine and the magazine is out and I have a digital copy of the magazine. Ooh. Okay. Um because I have Apple News Plus, and uh, that is one of the magazines that's available in the Apple News Plus app. So, oh wow, I uh, yeah, just uh, downloaded it and, and read it from through that. So, yeah, nice, uh, yeah. So, tell us uh, a little bit about the article, then tell me a little bit about the article. <laughs> oh well, the article uh, was written by Ben Travis. It's called Most Wanted, and uh, it's pretty lengthy. Um, pretty lengthy. It's, uh, of course about, um, you know, the show, but they really can't say much about the show as, uh, you probably would guess. Uh-huh, yeah. So, um, I would say actually a lot of it focuses on, uh, Dave Filoni, John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez. And then, um, also, uh, quite a bit on Tamora Morrison and, uh, Ming-Na Wen. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, t- to me, the thing that I found most um, interesting about the whole thing is uh, the the part of it that discusses the uh, the influence of of crime movies, gangster movies, stuff like that on um, the show. That's that's the part of it that got me kind of like the most excited about the mm-hmm. show going forward. Um, Cause as we've talked about, this one is a little bit of a have to win us over type scenario at this point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, We're not the most excited about this one. Um, So yeah, um, Favreau talks a little bit in there about how the show is influenced not only by like the obvious stuff, like the Godfather, but also by older films, prohibition era crime stories starring the likes of James Cagney and Humphrey Bogart. Um, and he says that as much of a generalized and mythic backdrop as the old West is or medieval Japan, things obviously didn't influence George. That's my comment. But, uh, mm-hmm. he said, so we're getting into the types of stories where you can play out universal human themes on the backdrop of these time honored settings. It, it offered a different set of rules and cast of characters, but ultimately you're playing out myths and stories that go beyond the genre. Um, huh. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting, the idea that, like, yeah. okay, so what So what did George do when he created Star Wars? He was influenced by Kurosawa, he was influenced by Westerns, um, and, you know, he was, he was influenced by the most obvious examples of those, but also deeper cuts, and so we're going to try to do, it seems like they're trying to do something similar, but with different influences instead of, like, you know... I mean, I'm sure there'll be some some samurai and Western influences in the book of Boba Fett as mm-hmm. well, but also kind of going to a different, you know, source of inspiration, but from a similar, I guess, like motivation or similar reasons as mm-hmm. uh, as George was with the original Star Wars. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting. And, and that's one of those things where I said, OK, yeah, maybe this will be, you know, that sounds pretty interesting. Maybe this will uh, will go some interesting places based on that. So. Yeah, that that is that increases my interest a bit, I think, because um, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm not really and I guess this is like a cinephile sin or something, but I'm not really into like the crime and gangster films of like the 70s, but I do like, you know, older stuff like noir and detective films from like the you know the 50s and mm. 60s so um yeah. yeah that's uh that's interesting um i just i just wonder how like what are they going to pull from those kind of stories cuz like you know i when we saw like the preview for book of boba fett like like the first trailer like there were websites that were like it's the Godfather in Star Wars. And I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Um, mm. You know, it's going to be like, you know, really, uh, really tough, really gritty. Um, you know, that sort of thing. But well, and about the politics between rival, you know, um, crime yeah. lords or whatever. Yeah. But like, you know, those kind of stories, like pre, like, godfather and scarface and um you know all that they they had a different vibe to them um mm-hmm. they're i don't know they're a little like cooler <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh you know more like a little l- less rough around the edges a little nicer more suave kind of yeah. thing 
So I do I do wonder what if we'll be able to kind of like see those influences. Something interesting that like you had mentioned um, a few weeks ago when we were recording is that you had like been watching Casablanca with your your film mm-hmm. class and mm-hmm. like noticing all the like you know all the Star Wars um, you know the things that George pulled from that film for Star Wars um, and I think that's like that's one that like it doesn't get you know as much play in discussion of the influences on Star Wars um, and it's one like you know it's not really top of mind when you think about like oh what are the films that and TV shows that influence Star Wars like that's not you know top of mind but it is in there um, I mean you see oh, yeah. it in the cantina and um, you know all these all these other places in the character of Han Solo and stuff but uh, yeah so I wonder I just I just wonder how this is going to work <laughs> It's interesting to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we just watched uh, Double Indemnity, a uh, a film noir movie from the mm. 40s. Um, and it's got that really punchy, pulpy dialogue. And, uh, you know, um, the, uh, the the very film noir kind of lighting, you know, um, mm-hmm. big shadows everywhere and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of smoky rooms. And, um, yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see if some of those kinds of... Uh, elements are there or you know yeah what what kind of uh what kind of things we'll pick out or we, we might uh identify or you know more knowledgeable people than us might pick out or identify uh i'm not like super yeah. i don't feel like i'm super um familiar with uh with those movies you know crime movies and stuff like that yeah. but uh but then again it's part of the language of uh pop culture and, and film and stuff like that so you know um that that stuff will probably you know, even if uh, audiences are not able to go, oh, that's from 1947 in this movie or whatever, it still hits you on a primal level. Uh, I think a lot of times, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. I um, think we'll have to put the heavy lifting um, for for that deep dive on uh, force material and skeptics yeah. hoard. <laughs> Those yeah. will probably be the podcast to to go to for the for the real in depth, uh, you know, looks at the influences well we've got to get force material out of their hibernation then you know what i mean that would be uh yeah let's do that maybe this will be what it takes coming Uh, out of the shadows yeah uh, talk noir Yeah. yeah um another thing from the article that was pretty interesting ryan that uh i think you might get a kick out of um is uh favreau talking about he said, people poke fun of us saying we're a bunch of kids playing Star Wars in front of everybody, and it's really not that far from the truth, I have to say. Um, and then he commented that the fluid creative process feels much more akin to being in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign or playing with friends or gaming online. I just happen to have a very talented group of friends who have a lot of ideas and imagination, and we have tremendous resources available to us because there's a viewership. Um, so, Yeah. I, uh, I thought that was pretty, um, transparent on his part. He's like, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're uh, rich, successful filmmakers and they let us play with our star Wars toys on screen. Cause sometimes, you know, Mandalorian, sometimes all star Wars or, you know, any star Wars kind of feels that way, right? Like people who, uh, loved it, get the chance to, to play around and, um, you know, make their mm-hmm. own star Wars stories. So, um, I thought that was a, it, it was a, a lighthearted comment, but a telling one at the same time. Yeah. Right? 
<laughs> yeah, and I think there's there's good and bad right. in that. <laughs> um, there's definite benefits, um, and you know you can you can feel like you can feel that in in the work that they're doing um, mm. for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, but there's you know there's there's also issues <laughs> with mm-hmm. that as well <laughs> yeah. um as, especially when it's you know the the same kind of people <laughs> consistently um you know playing with those toys well and so okay so um one of the news stories that we have in the notes here that we'll link to um, is the fact that we found out that uh, the Book of Boba Fett is a seven-episode series. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's news, I guess. Um, what do you think about that that series length, Ryan, for the Book I, of Boba Fett? You know, I think if this is the only season of Book of Boba Fett, I think seven episodes sounds great. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I, go ahead. If they're like, we finished seven episodes, and they're like... Boba Fett returns in season two, <laughs> then I'm really going to kind of kind of wonder. But uh, seven seven episodes for this feels feels good. It feels right. Yeah, yeah, I think seven sounds good. If he was like, oh, it's fourteen episodes or whatever, I'd be like, okay, got to strap myself in here. This is going to mm-hmm. be it's going to be quite a thing. But uh, considering like who Boba Fett is as a character, and you know them wanting to do the crime show type thing and all that, I think. A nice limited, you know, series sounds good. Um, and we know we've got a bunch of Star Wars on the way to Disney Plus as well. So it's not like, you know, we get those seven episodes and then, you know, take a year long break again, like we did between Mando season two and this. Um, I, I wanted to bring that up because at the end of this Empire uh, magazine article, Filoni comments a little bit on all of that um, and uh, says it's still the same universe for sure in reference to Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian. I don't know if you want to call it the Mandoverse or whatever it is that John and I are doing together here playing Star Wars, but it's of the same tree that we've been growing. Um, and uh, then the the author you know, points out that Book of Boba Fett's going to go to Mando season three, and then there's Ahsoka, um, and you know, there's all these different shows, right. In, in this Mando verse, um, and Filoni says there seem to be so many stories to tell. We're definitely never going to run out. John and I ultimately are just two people that love this stuff. We're privileged to get to tell the stories that we think we like and that we hope fans will like. It really boils down as simple as that. So, um, yeah, you know, Book of Boba Fett is, uh, seven episodes, but Mandalorian season three is coming. Ahsoka's coming. And then, you know, who knows after that as well, um, probably more happening in this Mandalorian, you know, Mandoverse, whatever. So, uh, yeah, Book of Boba Fett is limited, but, um, it really sounds like Filoni and Favreau, um, plan on doing quite a bit here with, uh, with these characters and and with these series. So, uh, I don't know if we'll get another season of Mandalorian after season three or not, but, um, I feel like there's still a lot, uh, from these creators and and you know uh as he puts it what like different branches of the same tree but there's there's a lot of content coming so yeah <laughs> even if book of boba fett is limited there's there's a lot um that's going to be part of this whole thing yeah yeah 
Um, okay. So that is the, uh, the book of Boba Fett article specifically. Um, but there's also the, um, Kathleen Kennedy, um, portion. It's, it's a brief article, um, but it's called inside star Wars, new TV empire, Kathleen Kennedy on the mini shows, not so far, far away. Uh, cute subtitle there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the big, the big news that came out of this, right. Is the fact that, uh, Rangers of the new Republic is officially not happening, which I don't think we knew that before. Right. We didn't know it was official. Did we? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think it had been officially stated. No. I mean, I think everybody was running with the idea that it, you know, for a while now, like we could kind of assumed or, or kind of knew it wasn't going to be happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was but, like a strong, like a good source that was like, yeah, this isn't happening. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I guess she doesn't like, there's no quote from her in here that says uh, that is dead and canceled, but it sounds like that's what she's saying because her quote is we'd never written any scripts or anything on that. Some of that will figure into future episodes. I'm sure of the next iteration of Mandalorian. So that's about as close as you can come to saying it's not happening without saying it. Right. Um, I don't even think she's trying not to say it. I I just think like she didn't flat out say it, but yeah, you know, the, the, (laughs) the, the, the writing is, uh, is, is on the wall there, right? Like, we're going to use some of those ideas in episodes of a different show. So, (laughs) you know, uh, it's not happening. Right. Yeah. I could see like there literally be, well, no, cause man, Mando just has like those one, they, are they all one word titles for the episodes? Hmm. Well, I they're think, not literally one word because it's like the sinner or oh yeah, the, yeah the, but, but like the blank. I could see there being like one called like the Rangers, sure, or something, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. But then also that stuff kind of like threaded in throughout, which honestly is you know I this is like the best case scenario, <laughs> I mm. think, because even before all the Gina Carano stuff, like. This when this show was announced, it was like, is there really enough there, like, to make this like an interesting standalone show? Like, yeah, these characters and this idea within you know the context of Mandalorian is cool. Like, they're cool side characters, but you know when it, it just it didn't seem like a really compelling spinoff. Um, especially if it's just like, you know, space cops, like <laughs> that's yeah. not really, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could like really <laughs> excite myself through like a hype cycle for Rangers of the New Republic. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like I'm all, already, you know, just, just try, we're trying our best with Book of Boba Fett, you know, cautiously optimistic, but like I don't I don't even think I'd be at that level for this show. Um yeah. I think these are like these are characters, stories that don't I don't I don't feel like they ever really necessitated their own show. Um mm. and uh but I will, you know, welcome those stories and threads because they 
you know, they're important in the periphery of the story of the Mandalorian in this like time period in Star Wars. So um, I think it's, you know, that's just probably the this is the best case scenario for this, I think. Yeah, the the one part of it that it seems like it could have been pretty interesting that um, a lot of people have been uh, chatting about in the wake of this news is the idea that maybe it was going to give us a little more um, kind of insight into the state of the Republic and, you know, some of that stuff um, post original trilogy. And because I guess, you know, Mandalorian's a couple of years after Return of the Jedi, right? So um, mm. you'd be seeing some of that potentially maybe that would be part of the the you know the hook of the show or whatever but but yeah i agree i mean i don't you know i really like um carson teva and uh mm-hmm. you know obviously i want to see more trapper wolf on screen but um <laughs> uh, yeah other than that it's just like one of those things where okay well uh yeah like you said I mean, i'm not sure the premise really necessitates or is strong enough to uh to uh you know justify an entire show but yeah um, and i and i don't want to be like the well the books guy but i mean also like the books we did mm-hmm. get a ton of information about you know the state of the republic between um you know jedi and force awakens um through stuff like bloodlines mm-hmm. um and um, and the aftermath book. So like, I, I feel like I know enough about what was happening. I mean, especially bloodline. Um, that's, well, I would say especially aftermath because isn't blood bloodline is set, um, closer to, isn't bloodline set closer to, um, the sequel trilogy or am I misremembering that? No, it is. Oh, Okay. Yeah, but it's it's uh, twenty five years after Return of the Jedi and six years before Force Awakens. So yeah, mm-hmm. it is closer to sequel trilogy. But like, I really like. I feel like from that book, I kind of got the vibe of you know what the Republic was like and what they were struggling with, and you know what they were, how they were struggling to make things work. But aftermath is probably like the one closer to return of the Jedi, which, yeah. you know, I think bloodline flows from aftermath really well. And I feel like they paint a pretty good picture of what was happening. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not exactly like starving for more political, you know, um, information regarding yeah. that stuff in, in either of those time periods, really. I mean, it's probably more necessary in the sequel era. Um, that is a common complaint people make like, Oh, I don't really know. Like, who the first order is or who the new Republic is, but, uh, or who the resistance is, I guess. But I don't yeah. know, even that it's like, I mean, really, what do you need to know? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, and, and as you said, there's, there's books and there's uh, supporting material out there that, uh, help fill that stuff in. But I, I don't feel like in either of the previous star Wars trilogies that, uh, you know, obviously the, the prequels are, are very centered around politics, but, even then like the, the actual details of things and, and uh, you know, all of that's pretty broad and it's, it's more like you're watching, you know, Palpatine maneuver and, and uh, manipulate and, mm-hmm. and the Jedi fumble and, you know, but it's not like you have like all this detailed information about how uh, 
that stuff is set up and certainly not the case in, in the original trilogy either. And I think that's fine. I think Star Wars is more, um, at least on screen, usually um, more kind of broad storytelling as far as like those mm-hmm. things go, you know? Um, yeah. George, George's whole thing is like, I hate it when movies stop and try to explain things to you, you know, like just tell yeah, the story. He does. <laughs> he does. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, he talks about like that, that is one of the things that's different about star Wars than, you know, science fiction, right? Like no one's going to stop in the movie and explain how lightsabers work or whatever, you know, it's not really mm. important to the kind of stories that star Wars, uh, aims to tell. Um, there's some other good stuff in this interview though, uh, with Kathleen Kennedy. Um, she makes a point, uh, to say that, um, she thinks that long form storytelling, like they're doing on, uh, Disney plus and the ability to create interconnected storylines stems from that kind of Saturday matinee cliffhanger storytelling that George was inspired by. So, uh, good point in terms Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, the format maybe being a, a good fit for what, what star Wars, uh, sprang from and, and what it, uh, what it aimed to be. Um, so I thought that was good. And, uh, another thing that I loved, uh, from this interview is her talking about, uh, UN and Hayden Christensen, um, with the Kenobi show. She says the thing that was most exciting was being on the set and watching the two of them get excited. They hadn't seen one another in a long time. I was surprised at just how incredibly emotional it was for each of them to find themselves back in these roles and just really realizing how important star Wars was to each of them. It was the beginning of their careers. So, um, I think she'd made a, a comment similar to that, or maybe it was the same one that, uh, we maybe even talked about, but, uh, I just love, um, Love you and in Hayden, and uh, it, it, she can keep saying this every couple of weeks if she wants to, and I will continue to be excited uh, <laughs> by the idea of those two working together again. So I think that's going to be good. Um, and then uh, I suppose the last thing, Ryan, that we should touch on, I don't know mm-hmm. if you uh, saw this or not, but um, she does respond to a question about sequel trilogy characters. Have you seen this quote? Mm-hmm. I have, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she said, certainly those are not characters we're going to forget. They will live on. And those are conversations that are going on with the creative team as well. So uh, that one made quite the splash too. You have any uh, reactions to that? Uh, I mean, yes, please. <laughs> like that's, um, you know, that's just a huge uh, kind of, you know, bit of uh I don't I don't know if frustration is the right word, but there is this, you know, this feeling for me that every time, uh, you know, a, a new big Star Wars project is announced and it's not, you know, set in like ideally after the sequel trilogy, um, but or, you know, during um that's uh always kind of a bummer because that's kind of you know still where my head's at like mm. um because i you know I, I i i know what happens in star wars up to that point uh pretty well and you know we keep filling in like every you know every minute of every day for every character in you know the original trilogy and to an extent the prequels um but like you know, we just got, you know, these, these brand new characters and this, this new story. And, you know, it, it, 
I mean, it concluded, uh, but there's still just like a lot unanswered. Um, and, you know, also like we like these characters and, you know, we're curious about what's going to happen next. Like, you know, with the characters, with the galaxy as a whole. Um, and so it is like it is for me like kind of frustrating when it's like, well, guess what? <laughs> We're going back to the time between empire strikes back and return of the Jedi, uh, for this thing. Um, that kind of stuff. Like when, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's the case of, you know, any, any kind of like serialized entertainment, this happens in comic books constantly. Like, There'll be, you know, the story's going, the story's going, the story's going, then there's like a big cliffhanger. You're wondering what happens next. And then like the next, the next arc is all like six issues of a flashback of something that happened before. And you're like, I don't cool, but, and you know, maybe this will factor into the stuff in the future, but also like, you know, we have this like forward momentum um with the stories and star wars has always like gone back and filled in gaps and whatever i mean that's literally what the prequel trilogy is and that's Mm. that's cool but also like i don't know i've i for one like am i'm i'm ready for things to either move forward or for us to go you know, so far back that I don't know what's going to happen, which is something that excites me about High Republic and the potential for Knights of the Old Republic mm. eras. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just having that acknowledged um, that they're working on ideas for sequel trilogy characters. Um, and I know there's like, you know, there's some of those actors are maybe not exactly chomping at the bit to get back to uh, playing those roles um, after, you know, everything with the sequel trilogy. Um, and, you know, also people just not wanting their careers ended by being typecast um, to like a single role. So like, I get that, but I I feel like we can still like move forward in the timeline without necessarily having those characters there or we can tell stories of those characters if you know if the actors aren't game for it right now you know in in other mediums Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um i will say right off the bat that i will be thrilled if they announce any kind of uh, disney plus show uh, set in the sequel era featuring sequel characters. Like I will be really excited because um, as you know, I love those characters. I love the sequel trilogy. I love the whole period of time we just went through with the sequels. Like it was a great uh, experience for me, right? I love that Mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, yeah, I would be super excited. And I'll tell you what, when there was a a trailer or a teaser or an article or something about uh, a sequel trilogy movie, I was freaking out and, you know, um, I think it's logical and it's not a problem, but you know, like a lot of stuff that's been going on the last couple of years with star Wars. Like I don't, I don't pour over a Boba Fett trailer the same way I would over, you know, something for the sequel era. Right. Or, you know, whatever. I feel like I probably will for Kenobi or Andor or something, but you know, some of the stuff that's been 
happening um, on Disney Plus so far, as much as I love it, it doesn't quite like you know, excite me to the degree that the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. did. That's just my personal taste. Like that's what I loved. Um, and so, yeah, I'll be super excited. All that being said though, I am a little, uh, I want it. I'm not saying I don't want it, but, um, there's, there's, there's part of me too. That's like, well, uh, I don't know why they insisted on calling episode nine, the end of the saga, because I am pretty convinced that 15 years from now, whoever's in charge will say, Hey, we should do another trilogy or whatever. Right. Like I think that's going to happen eventually. And part of me is a little protective of, uh, I don't know the, 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 the excitement of returning to the original trilogy characters, like all those years later, because partially because there hadn't been anything with them all that time, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of like on screen, there's something to that. And so, uh, a little bit, I'm a little bit like, I don't know if I want to do like a Finn story or a Ray story or whatever right now, because then that maybe takes away from that excitement, you know, down the line, if they do come back in another series of films or something like that. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it, I, I'm sure I will super, I will be super excited for whatever they do, whatever they decide to do in the sequel trilogy, you know, realm or whatever. But if I was the one uh, making the decision, I think it'd be a a tough call a little bit, you know, like where's the line between, you know, kind of giving some space and some time to breathe so that, you know, even if it's 10 years after Force Awakens or whatever, you come back to characters, it feels like a return, you know, versus, hey, we've created great characters. We've created a great, you know, time period, like why waste it? Why not, you know, tell stories with them? So it's just a little bit of a tricky balance i think you know yeah i i agree um but i think the flip side of like the the waiting the 30 40 years you know 30 years i guess um Mm -hmm. for those characters to come back is um you know there's a lot that can go wrong in in that as well um yeah you know um and you know you know, obviously, best case scenario, everyone is, you know, healthy, still working, etc. Um, but, you know, even when that happens, like part of a huge part of the really divisive and, you know, frankly, like toxic reaction to the sequel trilogy is people had 30 years of ideas built up of what those classic characters were going to do in their heads and when that didn't happen people lost their damn minds yeah and just turned into like the worst human beings imaginable and uh and like i don't i don't know if anyone wants to go through that again (laughs) yeah that's true um and also it's just like it's a different time now too so uh if Disney plus had existed in the mid eighties, there probably would have been a Luke Skywalker TV show in the mid eighties, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or whatever. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not apples to apples in terms of the comparison. Right. So, um, and I don't think I'd want him to wait 30 years, but you know, Mm -hmm. rise of Skywalker just came out like two years ago. Right. So it, it just feels like it's, you know, maybe 10 years from now or something like that would be a good time to come back to those characters. And, uh, in, in, at least in movies, but 
but who knows? You know, I don't know what, mm-hmm. what kind of stories would they tell um, and, and what kind of ideas do they have? And if they are going to get any of those actors back, I would assume it would whatever stories they're going to tell would be of consequence and interesting. And they'd have a compelling kind of, you know, reason to do a show about Finn or about Ray or whatever. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, or it could be, I mean, I, I would love to, and this is something they could definitely do, uh, if the actors were game, um, I would love, uh, a sort of situation like the Mandalorian where, you know, you have a new character, um, but it's in that, that time period and there's just the opportunity for maybe like you know the way i felt anyways i know that we we were just talking earlier this week ryan about the mandalorian season two and luke skywalker showing up at the end and stuff and Mm -hmm. and how you've uh been been thinking about that lately but um i thought that was you know pretty exciting obviously many people thought that was pretty exciting and so Mm -hmm. it's you know the mandalorian is not the luke skywalker show but it is set in a time period in which luke skywalker can be involved in some way Mm -hmm. and so maybe that's an opportunity as well uh just to like you said do some things in that era instead of always looking backwards so um there's there's room to do a lot of different types of things with that era but it would be pretty exciting to to jump into that era for sure Yeah. And I think like related to that, like, honestly, um, I'd rather I'd rather them just do stuff sooner than later. Um, I don't I don't want to, you know, be 20 years down the road and then they're like, all right, now it's time. We're going to tell you what happened next after Rise of Skywalker. Here's a deep fake CG Ray. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I don't want that either, but. Also, like, mm, I don't know that we, we we could probably get into like a bigger conversation than we want to. But for me, like Ray, especially Ray, is such uh, an important character to me, and I don't know that I just want like, well, what happens in the next year of Ray's life, and what happens the year after that? You know what I mean? And stuff it, like because there's so much like story they could have told with Luke in those decades between the two trilogies um and and they probably will at some point in some way and i'll i'm sure i'll love it but uh it felt like when they did return to his character things had changed enough that it was like oh there's a reason to tell this story you know um and and it's it there's a reason to tell this story that's like very central to that character um and you know just like what does ray do next I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure I will love it if they do it. But part of me feels like, you know, with a character that's that important and that significant, like let's wait until, and it doesn't even have to be time necessarily a super ton of time passes, but like, let's return to that character when there's some, some, something significant going on with that character or some significance to telling that story. Cause I don't know that, you know, just following every moment of her life, like you said, filling in every blank, just like, Mm -hmm. you know, constantly following that character makes that character feel more important or more special to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's like I said, it's tricky. It's, it's, it's tough to, to know what the best, uh, approach would be. Yeah. I mean, but I think like, I also wouldn't want it to be just like a, you know, a rehash of, you know, Luke's story. Like if, if we came back to her, you know, 30 years later and she's like, yeah, got that yellow lightsaber. I was going to change the, <laughs> the, 
I was gonna, you know, start the new Jedi Order, and then, uh, you know, now something went bad, and I'm I'm grumpy on an island. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I think, like, I don't know the way, you know, what we have of the sequel trilogy, like the way that ended. Like, I do think it would be exciting. Like, five years. Like, I don't think we have to wait that long. I mean, she's the last Jedi. <laughs> like, that's exciting. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. right now. Uh, like, there's there's stories there. But even, like, characters aside, because, you know, that's, a you know, there's a lot of moving pieces with yeah. getting the characters back. I still, like, going back to my original point, like, I still would like the story to like Star Wars going forward to continue the story they're telling, um, you know, sequentially Mm -hmm. than just like, than just being in this rut of just like, well, we can't tell, you know, we can't move the timeline forward. So we just have to keep filling in these gaps from stuff that's already happened. Yeah, and I think the reason they feel like they can't move the timeline forward is kind of like what I was talking about, like a a feeling of like maybe we need to be protective about that stuff in because of what we want to do in the future. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I'm not saying right or wrong. I just I think that might be part of the hesitation and part of the reason it's always like, well, let's just go back to in between, especially in the I mean, the comics are the worst offenders, right? But then. Um, probably the books and and then to a certain extent the tv shows now too it's always like let's go back to that either in the middle of the original trilogy or just after the original trilogy or whatever it's always like in that same time period um i think because there's no concern about protecting future storytelling with those characters the way there is with with sequel era stuff um and I know that's something that people are excited about as far as rogue one is concerned because a lot of people are thinking rogue one would be post rise of skywalker um not rogue one why do you keep saying rogue one rogue squadron yeah <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people are thinking rogue squadron would be post right rise of skywalker which i mean that could be that would be really exciting right yeah um, and i mean if that was the story like you can tell that story and you don't have to have finn and poe and ray yeah. in it yeah. like that's yeah. that's fine like just you know and then yeah. like then you can you have that and then you can tell some stories around that and like flesh that out. Like it doesn't have to be like, all right, we need to do the next 20 years <laughs> in, you know, in two years here. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, I, I think a lot of this just comes back to something we were talking about a few weeks ago where, um, you know, I was like, I was excited reading um, War of the Bounty Hunters and like. At, you know at first it had that really strong first issue and i was like yeah this is this is cool and then like it just month over month like my interest and excitement just dwindled down to nothing and then i got to the last issue and i was like well yeah this is how it has to end and really nothing actually happened or changed anything yeah and i think if that's like you know that's the problem of these like kind of gap filling the gap filling approach to star Wars. Cause you, you can have those like exciting moments in there and you're like, Oh wait, Oh cool. Cool. Oh wait. Yeah. Nothing can actually change. These characters have to be reset by the end, no matter how crazy things get, it has to all be reset. And then when things do get really crazy, you're like, well, that kind of doesn't fit. 
Like that yeah. feels weird now because like, yeah, it's always that like, you know, am I am I supposed to be thinking about all this stuff that happened next time I watch Return of the Jedi <laughs> or like uh. and I think that's like kind of a that's kind of going to be a weird thing with uh, with Mandalorian as things continue to escalate and escalate. And, you know, if it goes the places people are thinking like this giant war between Mandalorians and like Thrawn and, you know, all this other stuff, then like we get to Force Awakens and like none of that is talked about. Yeah. And then it's just kind of it gets kind of like weird and it can be exciting in the moment. But then you're like, wait, that has like there were there were no seeds planted for that in these, you know, the in the sequel trilogy. So sure. Like, do we like it's weird just that it's all kind of ignored. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 pretty excited for. We talked about this in our our text thread earlier in the week when we were discussing some of the stuff. But um, I'm 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 pretty excited for Andor and for uh, the Acolyte as well, um, mm-hmm. because neither of those feel like. I mean, Andor is going to be set like right before the original trilogy, right? So I mean, that the timeline thing is an issue, but it just doesn't really feel like the point of it will be to fill in, you know original trilogy storytelling gaps. I think it's going to be like, Hey, we've got this character. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, it's like the burgeoning Republic or whatever, but it's going to be, I think a different type of star Wars show. I don't think it's going to feel like, you know, well, we needed to know what happened in those two weeks between, you know, this event and this other event. I don't think mm-hmm. it'll be that kind of storytelling at all. So I'm super excited for that. And then, yeah. uh, the acolyte of course, I think is what, like, uh, 50 years or a hundred years before the prequel trilogy or something like that. So, maybe 50 years, but I don't know, something like a hundred years before the, I don't know, but it's, it's it, it, the, the, the time is significant enough. Oh, it's right at the end of the high Republic era, isn't it? Wasn't that? Yeah. The idea? Okay. So, so anyways, it's, like it's it, between high Republic and a uh, prequel trilogy. Prequel. Right. So, you know, that should avoid those kind of trappings uh, right there as well. So, yeah. And I think, yeah. yeah, that's, that's more exciting than filling in like, Oh wait, there's one more story in the Clone Wars we forgot about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or yeah. like here's another thing that happened between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Like those but we're then like after those shows happen, then there's not really too much left to fill in. <laughs> well, they'll find a way. <laughs> um, but yeah. To yeah. diminishing returns. Yeah. I think. Well, the other show is Kenobi and that on paper seems like it would be uh, another just very like, Oh, well, remember what about that one, that other time Vader and Kenobi fought, you didn't see that, you know? So that, that feels like a, a filling in the gap sick thing, but, uh, I have faith. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know if it's misplaced or not, but I have faith that that's, that's not what that show is going to feel like in, in practice. I think it'll have, I, maybe it's just cause I'm such a huge Obi-Wan fan and I'm such a huge Hayden, uh, Ewan McGregor, Fan. and then you know also true for i love anakin and uh and hayden christensen but same it, it just to me i i still have the faith that that's going to feel uh consequential and it's going to feel emotional and it's not going to necessarily feel like a an encyclopedia entry you know what i mean or a wikipedia <laughs> entry or whatever wikipedia so uh we'll have to see but i hope um, so I, I hear what optimistic. you're optimistic yeah i, I hear what but you're saying worried. about that 
Yeah. I hear what you're saying about that as far as like the Mandoverse goes though, where, you know, it does in some ways kind of feel that way. And then, you know, even more so with some of the comics and things like that. Um, but Ryan, uh, the other story we're going to talk about, uh, it's kind of conjecture really. Um, Mm -hmm. but is a comics related story, which is, uh, IDW's high Republic adventures, number 13, um, being referred to by Daniel Jose older, the writer of the book, as the final issue of the current run or of this run, he says, mm-hmm. this comes out in February. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he did clarify that it's our final phase one High Republic adventure book. Um, and then I saw in the replies, people were asking him about this. Um, like, hey, is it, you know, I didn't know the book was ending. Um, and he said just for phase one or something like that. I'm trying to find the. Yes. <laughs> Where was the, the exact comment? Uh, I didn't realize this book was ending. He says just for phase one. But uh, other people started asking, oh, so are you going to Dark Horse or what's happening there? And I did not see any further replies from Daniel Hazo- Jose Older, unless I'm missing something. Yeah, I don't think he would be the no, one it's to not be his commenting to, on that on yeah. a Twitter <laughs> thread but well but except for if nothing was changing then i feel like he would be the one to comment on it or there's there's no problem with saying like oh yeah it's still going to be with idw you know what i mean if if that's what's happening so it does make me wonder i mean a lot of things make me wonder we were already wondering Uh and then you know like it's it's pretty tidy to say like oh yeah well you know this is the last issue because it's the end of phase one but is the end of phase one and the start of phase two a really nice place to also move the book to a different publisher uh, is what I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting and, though, because and, High Republic Adventures is the, you know, young reader. I don't know what term they use, juvenile or middle grade or what, but like <laughs> it's the comic book for kids. You know what I mean? So, uh, which I'm guessing about, maybe seven kids in the world read. <laughs> yeah. I, but not, be- not a lot of high Republic hype, uh, around, you know, I work at an elementary school and, uh, I, I, I can see, I see these things, uh, you know, I see the, the pop culture stuff that kids are obsessed with. Uh, you know, at least anecdotally, it's not the high Republic. <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. But like, um, and this might cut a little close, close to the quick, Ryan. So I apologize mm. in advance. Mm-hmm. But um, is it comics in general that that kids are talking about? Like, because IDW exists and seems to be successful in selling comic books to kids. But like, from my you know personal experience with kids, my, like my kids and their friends Yours, and stuff, yeah. like none of them read comic books. Or you know, I just I feel like the audience for comics, as far as kids go, might not be that huge in general. You know? It is massive. Is and it? it's just not what you think. Uh, because it's Diary of a Wimpy Kid. It's Dogman. Like oh, okay. Those kind of books. And it's it's manga. Manga is huge. With teenagers. No, with kids. Okay. I, I see third, fourth, fifth graders walking around carrying... You know, Dragon Ball, Naruto, My Hero Academia, like Mm. these comics, like and they're they're talking about them there. They always, you know, 
they're convincing their teachers to let them read them. Okay. Uh, kind of so, thing. So, okay. So I find that really interesting. Um, I have seen an explosion in the popularity of anime and uh, manga uh, with high school students in the last few years as well. So that tracks as far as all that con- is concerned. Um, mm-hmm. My house is littered with Dogman and uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid books um, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, my kids love those. Um, you know, my, my older son grew up on that stuff. He's, you know, not quite as into those things these days, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, my younger son, my second grade son, I mean, he's, he's reading that stuff all the time. So yeah, like those things are all popular, but yes, those are comics. Yes, these are comics, but also like if we're talking about it from like a business model perspective or whatever, it's a little different. Like those kids aren't going to the comic shop to buy those mm-hmm. and they're not buying them in individual issues. Correct. Um, so I don't know what that means for a publisher like IDW or whatever, but I just, I feel like there's gotta be enough interest in comic books with, with kids in general to make it sustainable for a publisher like IDW. Um, and I guess, I guess really what it comes down to is like how popular is high Republic adventures in comparison to other IDW comic books. That's what mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, cause like, do I think it's setting like the, the youth of America on fire for star Wars, high Republic adventures? Like absolutely not. Right. Like I doubt that many kids are reading it, but again, it just seems like individual issues of a comic book from comic book stores seems like a pretty niche thing for kids in general. So for all I know, it could be a pretty successful comic book for kids, you know, based on that metric. Right. So I, I really don't know. Um, but like, it just almost seems like if dark, if, um, dark horse is taking over the high Republic license or whatever, they're going to, they're going to tackle the high Republic storytelling as far as comics is concerned. Like, is, is it even necessary to have like a young person, like a juvenile or whatever, like line, like, do they really need this other comic in addition to like a straightforward high Republic? comic i wonder you know i mean that's something i'm wondering about the high republic initiative you know all together uh in mm-hmm. all like i i wonder if you know we we know we still have a, a few years um left of it which rules uh <laughs> and makes me very excited and very happy and grateful um but I I wonder if it is going to over the diff- course of the next you know phases shift more towards focus on adult readers. I again, it's just anecdotal. I don't have any, you know, I don't have any, uh, you know, reason, any proof that kids are not reading the High Republic. But I also have zero proof that any kid ever has read the High Republic. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like he, Daniel Jose Older says that High Republic Adventures is only ending for phase one. So, I mean, it sounds like a, uh, like the book will continue, um, you know, unless it really, maybe it really changes like focus and uh, becomes more of a, a standard, you know, audience comic book, uh, if it moves to dark horse, you know, maybe dark horse has, uh, two high Republic series going on, uh, at the same time. And, you know, um, they kind of shift the, 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 the audience 
you know, target audience uh, age up a little bit. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it stays just how it is, but published a dark horse, or maybe it stays with IDW. We don't know that it's not going to stay there. Um, there were stories in September um, that, that uh, claimed IDW was losing that license. Um, I don't think, I know we haven't heard anything official about that, but uh, this is just another, um, you know, piece of evidence along with dark horse being in the mix that makes it seem like, that would be the case. And, um, you know, like I said before, I've seen people talking about it as if it's a foregone conclusion. Um, and, and that seems to be the general wisdom is that IDW is not going to be doing star Wars comics much longer, but I haven't seen official confirmation of that. So, uh, it, uh, it remains to be seen. I don't know how many people, you know, care. <laughs> I'm still buying the IDW comics. So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, and I just, I loved, uh, Vader's castle, which, you know, they just did, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure it would necessarily send massive shockwaves through the star Wars fandom. If, um, IDW stopped publishing star Wars comics. So, uh, we'll see. Yeah. How. It wouldn't affect anything for me yeah. as like a comic reader. I would just yeah. be like, Oh yeah, just keep that on my pull list. It, my money will now go to dark horse instead of IDW. Like yeah. <laughs> it really doesn't change things for me. Although I was going to tell you, Ryan, I was in my comic book shop yesterday mm-hmm. and um, I see that the um, the Star Wars Adventures annual is out now uh, for 2021. And um, uh, I think Jackson you, on the you cover. should probably think about getting it because it's an it's a, you know, jumbo issue. And uh, I flipped through it a little bit. Um, and not only is Jackson on the cover, but I believe Jackson is the focus of the entire. Um, he's a primary character throughout the entire annual issue. So. Yeah, I um, I saw that as well and uh, let it, uh, you know, hang out on the shelf of my comic shop for, uh, you know, wanted to save that for, you know, a, a real big Jackson fan. Mm, that was nice I, of you. Yeah. Yeah, that was selfless. Um, yeah. One of the themes of Star Wars. I uh, I left it there as well. I will pick it up probably next time I go in, but um, mm. I had a $30 plus uh, bill that I was paying at the comic book shop. So Oof. I thought I would leave that there as well. But I did yeah. pick up Star Wars Life Day number one, Ryan. And uh, I also, I flipped through that, um, okay. but I, I also left that on, on the shelf. But tell me about it. Well, I think this is it's so it's called it has a number one designation, but I don't think there's going to be another one. Is there? Uh, I don't remember for sure, but I think this is the only issue. Maybe next year there'll be a number two. I don't know. Uh, it will be number one again. That's welcome to comic books. Every it, every comic book is issue number one. OK, uh, <laughs> um, I guess so. Um, well, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's uh it is a uh, an anthology type thing. So there is a framing story featuring um, Han and Chewie on Batu on Life Day. And uh, Kanji Club is uh, trying to catch up with Han there. So I'm assuming this is pre-Force Awakens. Um, but uh, yeah, so as he's kind of trying to outmaneuver them or survive that or whatever, um, he is uh, sort of narrating other experiences that Han and uh, Chewie have had um, around Life Day. Um, And there's actually even one uh, story that is set in the High Republic era. So that's kind of fun Mm -hmm. Um, with a Nib, Asek, and uh, oh, Burry, who's right. Yeah. 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 Of course. And they go to Kashyyyk. Yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's a, it's a life day story, right? There's like some kind of life day component to all of the, the little, uh, smaller stories within. And, um, I, I enjoyed all of them well enough. Uh, I thought it was a pretty fun way to do a life day comic. I think this is probably better than just, or at least just as good as, uh, trying to do like a serious, like, uh, <laughs> story about life day on Kashyyyk or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, bouncing around a little bit and, and finding a, a little life day in, uh, in all these smaller stories, I think was, was pretty fun. So, uh, my review that, uh, listeners have been waiting for mm. is that it is non-essential or non-essential, non-essential, <laughs> but, uh, but very enjoyable, uh, nonetheless. And, mm. uh, it has a fantastic Phil Noto cover. So it you does, know, for those yeah. of you who, who pick up comic books just for the covers or, you know, who are, are, uh, cover enthusiasts, I mean, it's, it's worth it right there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, did you, did you, have you caught up on High Republic Adventures? I haven't caught up on High Republic Adventures. Okay. No. Okay. No, did you? Uh, yeah. Uh, issue 11 is the most recent one. Um, grab that, read that. It is, uh, I think, I think the book has really kind of come into its own. Um, and I, <laughs> You know, for for the first, you know, the first few issues, uh, I was not feeling that book very much. But um, I think they've fleshed out the characters, raised the stakes. Um, the characters are are like generally pretty likable and in, and or interesting. And uh, there is like the the central conflict of the book is clear um and then you know that stuff is all in this issue it, but this issue also is extremely silly uh <laughs> so and i think like it it feels like a like a confident book at this point that like knows who and what it is um mm-hmm. where they can have like you know these this like the main story, which is incredibly silly, uh, but like also these, um, you know, kind of interstitched um, sections that are referring to like the the larger conflict in there as well. It's like this very cool vibe that reminds me of like, you know, Chris Claremont's X-Men in like the 70s and 80s where there's like, you know, there's these threats that are happening, but also like you can have an issue where the X-Men play baseball together, <laughs> like yeah. kind of thing. And that's what this issue felt like. Um, and uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that like, just as I'm like starting to get into this book, uh, it's uh ending. Uh, there's only two more issues left, which it feels like, you know, this was a silly fun book, but it feels like the next two issues uh, are going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting to wrap up this story because there's, uh, you know, there's a uh, there's a major conflict um, happening. So um, okay. I'm uh, but I'm actually like I'm more invested in this book and this story than than I have been. And I'm. I'm looking forward to kind of the last two issues coming up. Nice. Okay. Yeah. That's uh that's next on my agenda. I am, uh, I'm caught up on high Republic. 
Uh, I did get the uh, Trail of Shadows issue two and read uh-huh. that. Um, so what did you think of there. that one? It was okay. Um, <laughs> I guess I need to see where it's going. Um, yeah, you know, like it, it's it, it is drip feeding the yeah. s- the story, <laughs> which is which is interesting. Um, I don't find the the Jedi character super interesting. Like he's yeah. pretty bland. I feel like at least so far, um, just kind of like standard like non emotive uh jedi character you know what i mean um so, but his, his but he has a foil character which you know yeah. makes you know it, it creates that kind of like buddy cop dynamic yeah. uh which yeah. feels feels a little fresh for star wars um mm-hmm. and i'm i'm having fun with uh you know some of some of that um but yeah it is like I I finish that and I'm like I I don't exactly I thought I knew what this book was about but I'm not totally sure what's happening here. Totally yes, <laughs> like I read a few pages a couple times to be like, what am I missing or like what? Yeah, uh, yep, 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 yep. So yeah, um, but no, but I mean, you know, it's uh, it's it's all tied into uh, obviously central um, conflicts and, and plot points of the the larger High Republic story. So. I'm uh, happy to be reading that and, and learning more about those things. So, yeah, uh, I will stick with it. I think there's two more. Is there two more issues? Maybe three? I don't know. Um, I can't remember yeah. if it's a four is, is book a, series or. I, I was thinking think six. six. Oh, yeah. Okay. So All right. Four okay. more issues. But, you know, it um, there's another it, it actually reminds me of another um comic writer who like contemporary comic writer that um i i like a ton uh his name's tom king he's written stuff like um he wrote batman for a while um mr miracle uh he wrote a watchman story um and uh an adam strange story um over at dc recently but the thing is um with his books it's very like there's like a central mystery um, and it's like very drip fed and it like goes on tangents and all this stuff. And reading the books monthly is I'm always like, wait, what, what happened in the last issue? Like this is, it's just, it's really challenging. Like, Oh, what was the detail I was supposed to remember from the last issue? Like, wait, who is this character again? Um, kind of thing and so he has this new book out called uh human target and um and like it's getting rave reviews but like i didn't put it on my pull list because i'm like i'll just read it when it's all done um because it's like it's really hard to read on a on a monthly basis because it is like a like tangled web of a narrative um for his books and that's kind of how i felt reading uh this book as well hmm so. It's it's the house style for this writer. Well, no, this was written by uh, Daniel Jose Older. Oh, 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 okay. Which is like, gotcha. yeah. So, but it's like it's similar. Gotcha, gotcha. It's a similar feeling uh, with the story, and I think like that's just kind of a lot of times kind of true of like detective stories, like that. You know, in in this like kind of subgenre is like 
or like when there's like a big mystery and stuff like sometimes it's best just to you know be able to like binge the whole thing rather than like try to remember this story over the course of six months yeah so maybe i should just start reading my high republic adventures books and um you know let these ones pile up and then (laughs) read them all at once i'm i'm debating it or like if i have the free time i might just Just go back when issue three comes out like read issues one and two again oh sure uh, something like that which you know i which is something i would end up doing with a lot of tom king's books as well over at dc so right on All right. Well, uh, yeah, so um, still quite a bit going on with Star Wars comics, of course. But I think we'll uh, we'll wrap up the show here, Ryan, as we're getting closer to uh, Book of Boba Fett launching at the end of this calendar year. Um, We uh, still need to finish up our N64 retrospective, you know, speaking of calendar year ending. Yeah, um, we're supposed to sneak that one in before the year ends. But uh One way or another, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. So uh, until then, you can find everything we do at BlockadeRunnerPodcast.com. And uh, if you want to share your thoughts on Book of Boba Fett, whether or not Lucasfilm should tackle sequel trilogy storytelling soon, um, or what's going on in Star Wars comics, uh, you can email us, BlockadeRunnerPodcast at gmail.com, or follow the show on Twitter at Blockade Run. Ryan, you are on Twitter at... Byamalay, B-A-Y-A-M-A-L-A-Y. All right. So thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Blockade Runner podcast. We are all the Republic. <laughs>